Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Hope you're having a great weekend. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got members of the media, academia, financial services, and government standing by as we break down all the news and events of the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. We're going to kick the show off with a look at what's happening in terms of legislation, regulation, litigation with Capitol Hill. Joining us on the line, you know them as David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, Legal Eagles, welcome to the program this morning. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, listeners. It's always good to be on, and we hope uh, folks are having a restful Martin Luther King Day weekend. Uh, we know that we've had a busy start to the year, so it's it's kind of nice that it's mid-January and we're getting our first, you know, chance to to pause, breathe, and then keep going up the hill of 2023. David, um, we're going to segue a little bit this week off of retirement, um, and we're going to switch to health care. This is a topic that is also important um, and something that the folks at Groom Law are regularly tracking. What can you tell us? What's going on in health care? Sure, Jeff. And it's almost like counter-programming. We've spent the last year talking about Secure 2.0. And yes, it's keeping us incredibly busy. But we thought rather than Secure 2.0 all the time, we go a little in a different direction this week. Healthcare and is something that most people who are listening to BRN have to deal with as well. So we thought we'd get into that. There's sort of two things we really want to talk about in the land of healthcare because Kevin, myself, our health team at our firm, two things we see going on are in some ways are very close to what you see in the retirement space. The first one we're going to talk about is fee disclosure. Back a couple of years ago in the Consolidated Appropriations Act, one of the prior ones, the Congress enacted fee disclosure and for health and welfare plans, whereas those who live in the retirement space You've been seeing fee disclosure for a long time, the so-called 4AP2 requirements, and that was really for retirement. Congress pretty much picked up what the Department of Labor did and 4AP2 generally and brought it over to the health world, and like a lot of your brokers and other folks are picked up by it. There's still, even today, uh, a lot of questions that come across as to am I covered, am I not? There's different types of relationships, so you get into the weeds on that. But the key is it's driven, along with a lot of the transparency requirements, for instance, plans now have posting requirements oftentimes of, about certain information about their plans, and you see it sometimes on people's websites. So transparency, just like it came to retirement, has really come to health and welfare plans. So what does that mean? Well, as we live in a world where there is even more convergence, and yes, there are still independent providers who just do health and just retirement. We've seen a lot of folks, and, and it's been around for a long time, who say, I'm going to have someone advise me, maybe on both, or sometimes I'll be crossover. So, and a lot of the fiduciaries for one, sometimes are the fiduciaries for the other. So right now, as a basic thing to keep in mind, we want to put on people's radar is, remember, when you're doing 
you know, renewals on contracts and pricing. It's important to say, how are people being compensated? As Kevin and I will often say, nothing is for free. You have to accept that people need to make a living here. Nobody's questioning that. And commissions are totally, totally normal in this space. It's a little different than retirement in terms of the methods and schema for it. But the key is, it's important to be saying, what is fee disclosure and monitoring it? Is it like you have to have some rigid process? No. But it's something that a lot of people have been talking about for the last couple of years and continues to gather attention. So just remember, if you're in charge of health plans, think about 408B2 and fee disclosure and how much those who work with you get paid. The second thing that Kevin and I are going to talk about, and I'm going to hand it to Kevin in a second, is uh, Department of Labor Investigations. Kevin's going to talk a lot of, a bit for in a minute about how these investigations work and how to be prepared just on a general level. But one thing to keep in mind is Congress, there are rules re- relating to mental health parity, sort of saying about how mental health benefits are treated compared to not mental health benefits. There's so-called comparison on a quantitative level on the uh, on what those benefits are and non-quantitative. We could spend a bunch of time explaining what an NQTL is. The key is the Department of Labor actually did a, like a trial run on investigations over the last couple of years. And they actually, I think it was in the 170s, if I remember correctly, uh, had 170-something of these investigations. And they found something that they thought was a concern in 170-something of these investigations. Do people tr- do very good job on a lot of their health and welfare? Yes. But the key thing here is that the DOL shows up and they ask for a lot of data. So whether you're an insured plan with an insurer where they may have a lot of this at the fingertips or a self-insured plan, or you, if you are a sponsor, you're going to have to be gathering things and your providers will help in some way, but they, they're not responsible for a, a large chunk of it. It's important to be ready for the investigation and, and have those data. We do a lot of analysis on this already for people to get ahead of the curve. But the key is, these are two things that don't let it slip off your radar just because Secure 2.0 is the shiny new penny. Kevin, do you want to talk a little about investigations? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I mean, I, I think, you know, you highlighted that, that you know, mental health parity is one of the key focuses of DOL uh, right now. Uh, and the thing that I'd just point out is that, you know, whether it's a mental health parity investigation on the health side, a missing participant investigation on the retirement side, a delinquent contribution contr- investigation on the retirement side, or anything else, um, there's a couple things that can be helpful. So, you know, having records, you know, documenting that you have a prudent process, documenting that you went through the steps the law requires you to do. Um, if you have that documentation, it can be helpful. Um, and as important as having it be documented is having it in, in kind of a, an easily accessible format because, you know, one thing that, that I've seen cause hiccups in investigations is where, you know, document gathering takes months and months or, you know, responses have to be crafted on the fly to describe what's been done uh, when, you know, the best time to be prepared for an investigation is before the investigator shows up. Um, and, David, I think, you know, we've, we've, we've talked a bunch this week now on, on these two health topics. I think we should let Jeff get to his, uh, his second segment. That sounds great. Well, well, gentlemen, I mean, really important and and healthcare just as important as retirement because, by the way, you're going to need a lot of healthcare in retirement, and so these are important issues that you're going to deal with either today as an employee or in the future as a, a retiree. Gentlemen, we're going to leave it there. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for popping by the program as always. Thanks for your insight and wisdom, and we look forward to having you back on the program again next week. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Reverend Jeff, and thanks, listeners. Imagine. 
a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and call Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. Now, time to turn our attention to markets. Joining us on the line, he's the lead anchor for the TD Ameritrade Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, happy, uh, well, I already said happy New Year to you next, last week. Not going to not gonna say <laughs> it again. It. Happy Sunday. Play game until, That's until right. March. That's right. Happy uh, Happy Sunday to you. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, let's uh, let's talk markets. Um, your thoughts about the second week of trading? This was a really interesting week. Um, potentially a very very important one because there is a real um, kind of regime shift uh, happening here that is bullish in nature. Uh, but uh, we're still waiting for the real kind of confirmative move in stocks, and we haven't gotten that yet. Uh, to some degree, it looks like it's happening. All signs point towards uh, the potential for another big bear market rally, but we have not really gotten the clearance uh, technically from the charts just yet. So taking it step by step, of course, the big economic information that we got this week was once again inflation. And with CPI dropping its rate of change and coming in at the expected level, 
the idea is that investors now have kind of the worst behind them in terms of this being an inflationary crisis and a Fed-driven crisis. The question really right now is whether or not a deeper recession is imminent. And I don't think we quite have a clear answer to that yet, but the market, the way I see it, moved fully distinctly towards a position of optimism uh, that that is not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. We look at this through a few things. The dollar continues to slide. Bond yields continue to come down. Bitcoin had a big move higher. Some of these telltale signs of risk appetite returning are very much there. However, they're the same signs that have appeared many times around over the past year and have always been head fakes. This week we saw massive moves in stocks like Bed Bath and Beyond and Cardano. Companies are almost certain bankruptcy candidates rallying hundreds of percent. That's the type of return to the scene of the crime type of behavior that's usually indicative of a market very guilty of wrongdoing. And that is why we have to take this with a big grain of salt. There's a very clear technical resistance line in the S&P 500 that I'm watching. If we do get through that, it would suggest there's a meaningful potential for a turnaround. But we have not gotten through that yet. So it's basically like three out of four signs are flashing go, but the one that matters for most investors, stock, has not quite turned that way yet. So, so Oliver, could it just be considered lagging? Is it typically, is this last um, attribute, is what I'm going to call it, indicator? Is this yeah. considered to be yeah. lagging? Is it, is, is has it um, lagged when you look at other recessionary periods in the uh, in the market? Well, it's um, right now what I'm looking at basically is a pretty short-term myopic look at the past year. There are a few other historical uh, relevancies that I'm um, monitoring closely, mostly the dot-com period mm-hmm. for how the dollar trades relative to stock. And um, right now, there is a a pretty clear relationship that is between stocks and the dollar, where the dollar had a big explosive move higher, but now that that's coming off, there is potential here for uh, stocks to kind of revive. But there's a big string attached to that because if you're moving into a stagflationary environment where the economy slows down, it would make sense for the dollar and to decline and our rates remain elevated. Um, that being said, there were a few kind of um, moments where the dollar slipped um, in 2000.com before it really peaked, but it never really had a big, big decline. When the dollar had a big decline in 2000, that was that was it. Um, that was the run-up. So if this is um, the big decline in the dollar uh, that marks the peak in the dollar, um, you could really have something potentially happening here where stocks could be bottoming out close behind. That being said, though, um, nothing's really perfect historically because we do not have the inflation that we do today in .com. So, again, I kind of am looking at it on a short-term, very technical approach 
um, where every time the S&P basically gets to the level that it's at, this long-term downturn line, it goes back down. And it sounds very simple, but I actually really like simple analysis when it comes to technical analysis, because the more people can see a line on a chart, the more it matters. The more obvious something is technically, the more it matters. And right now, this downturn line in the S&P 500 has been the thing to trust. And so until we get through that, I don't really view stocks as maybe being lagging. I kind of view stocks as just being uh, the one truth, uh, where if they get through this line, then something really is changing. And if they don't, we have to describe this still as being a bear market regime and a downtrend. So it's a little bit of kind of a myopic one-way look, but that's the way I think it makes sense because that's the way it's worked the past year. Oliver, uh Let's talk. Our, let's turn, talk for a few minutes, and then we can wrap up. Talk about um, international markets. And China recently dropped its, I guess it's 100 um, percent COVID-free philosophy, and really reopened. And you're seeing travel, and um, you know, want to get your sense for the what that means for the market. Uh, uh, you know, or, or how does how do the world markets react? So China basically is reopening and creates an opportunity. Um, what does that mean for things like inflation? What does it mean for our stock market here? What does it mean for investors? It's a very important question because it, it, it is very clear right now from the charts that China-related stocks are doing something very unique and very different. In terms of how they relate to U.S. stocks, uh, to some extent there is some evidence that um, Chinese stocks in a way, kind of lead the U.S., but more kind of by coincidence than by design. Their bear market started before ours, so should it bottom before ours? Maybe. That holds a little bit of logic in my mind. But mostly, I think this is a very China-specific economic impact that probably does not directly apply and carry over to our market. More likely, the effects of China reopening are going to be demand surges in commodities. We're already seeing that happen in copper, which is following the Chinese stocks pretty closely. It looks like copper and its rally in the past two weeks is directly related to China. And therefore, you would expect other commodity prices to start to move higher as well. I think crude oil is likely to follow copper. I think there's a very distinct chance we've probably bottomed in crude oil. But we have to wait and see because right now it's been very sluggish. But ultimately, I do believe that the China reopening situation is a very strong case for elevated inflation and elevated demand for commodity prices. Well, Oliver, we're going to have to leave it there. Really appreciate your analysis. And folks, check out uh, Oliver's programming. He uh, uh, Sandwiches, I guess, is the right word. I don't know. I'm hungry, so I'm going to say sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches, the uh, programming on the TD Ameritrade Network. Morning markets on the close and morning trade live. Oliver Rennick, always a pleasure chatting with you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, well, visit our website. And of course, 
all of our streaming partners. Well, tomorrow we're taking a day off in honor of Martin Luther King holiday. We'll be back on Tuesday the 17th with another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. <laughs>